to the Can of Coin podcast with Q Nicole. Whether you are can of curious, you are an advocate of the space or a budding entrepreneur, we are here to destigmatize the wealth and wellness benefits of cannabis. So I'm super excited today because we are actually joined by someone that is an esteemed member of my social circle and community, someone I've known for over 20 years who really understands not just yeah, we're not going to talk about cannabis because that's what we're going to talk about. But it's deeper than that. The mindset of being free. You know, what I have always appreciated about this gentleman is that he has been a free thinker from the very beginning. And he has incorporated his free thinking into trainings and programs and opportunities to help other people find their liberation, which is something that cannabis also helps people do, right? It helps people to really kind of like unchain. And so we're gonna have that conversation with Mr. Julian Gordon today. But before we jump into that, we gotta go into our hot topic. So hot topic, we're gonna talk about the state of North Carolina and their interest in decriminalizing cannabis and uh, accepting medical marijuana in the state. We have seen that so many states have uh, definitely gone forth in legalizing both recreational or recreational or medicinal marijuana. But there are these states that are still confused about the benefits of cannabis and they still try to create this hype, this negative stigma around it that prevents the, the industry from really expanding. And so we know that the Compassionate Care Act has been on the table now for over two years. Um, I am, my name is Q Nicole Vanderhorst. I'm the CEO and founder of WH Farms Co. If you are a, a faithful member of this podcast community, then you know that WH Farms Co. grows industrial cannabis on legacy farmland in Eastern North Carolina. We grow on African-American and Tuscaroran legacy farmland, land that was cleared by hand by freed slaves so that we are able to really shift the narrative around a plant that has been responsible for its criminalization in our community and really bringing a divide to our community. We're using this plant to unify and also to promote the therapeutic benefits. And that's why we need the state of North Carolina to get itself together. Because here's the deal. What we've realized is that North Carolina is the third leading state agricultural state in the country. And what we also know is that there are so many um, wellness challenges. As a matter of fact, in the state of North Carolina, I attended a House Health Committee meeting and it was communicated that every six hours someone commits suicide due to depression. That was a real statistic in the state. And yet when we see the information in the Compassionate Care Act, we notice that there are so many medical conditions that are missed and not mentioned, such as depression, that are actively available and, and really per permissive and, uh, yep, blah, 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 blah. Where you want me to start over at? That are actively or do I need, can I, okay. Okay, so I'm going to say, so what we know is that every six hours, and this was data that was taken from the North Carolina House Health Committee recently, that every six hours in the state of North Carolina, someone commits suicide due to depression. But yet when we look at the approved medical conditions listed in the Compassionate Care Act, we don't see mental health. We don't see chronic pain. We don't see some of the challenges that our community is facing. Not to mention, for some reason, the state of North Carolina is, is of the belief that the criminal justice system should be a co-parent to this law and a co-parent to this policy by tracking the data and the records of all of the medicinal users so that they're able to ensure that it's not entering into the wrong hands. However, what happens if 
the grandson has a charge due to marijuana, but the grandmother is dealing with chronic pain, right? What happens if they're in the same household? Too many of these issues are common for a specific community, and we want the citizens of this community to really speak up and make your voice known. Let the state know that there are positive uses for the plant, that it's not only recreational, that it is also medicinal and therapeutic. And medicinal and therapeutic isn't an elitist situation. There are conditions in throughout many communities, women and men of color who need access to this plant in a way that they're not going to be scrutinized, that they're not going to have to worry about being um, chastised, and that they will feel comfortable going to their medical professionals getting the help that they need. So that is my hot topic specifically because I believe in the therapeutic and the wellness benefits of the plant. I've personally used it when I've had surgeries. I've given it to my doctors to know that that's what I'm going to actually be consuming. My mom actually is a contact smoker. She doesn't actually consume, but she will stand as close as she can to it so that she can get all of the benefits. And it's because she wants to sleep at night. She doesn't want to lay in pain all night long at the age of 78. She wants to rest. And this should not be a privilege. It should be something that they are offered um, that's free and available and not scrutinized and overly criminalized. So state of North Carolina, let's open up our minds and let's usher in this multi-billion dollar industry. So Julian, yes. how are you? I'm doing well. It's been a long time. 20 sister. years. Yes, it's been 20 years. But we still look the same. Oh, yeah. I feel that. And spirits don't age. Exactly. Julian and I have known each other for a very long time. Back in the day, Julian was, and I talked about this briefly before the podcast started, Julian had this energy and this desire, and I'm, I mean, your purpose. You were the person who told me that your purpose isn't one thing. I'll never forget that mm -hmm. because I used to think back then that my purpose was just my nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, Q, your purpose is going to continue to manifest itself the more you do. And I've watched you live that because you started with the 30-day do-it challenge, <laughs> with these small groups where we would come together and reach our goals and hold each other accountable. Yeah. And shout out to that community because I see you guys mm -hmm. on social media doing great things. Yeah. We still in this thing 20 years later, right? Yes, yes. Thanks to the seeds that you watered. And you have gone from that type of curriculum mm -hmm. and you've transitioned into real estate. I mean, you know, he, he's not just an author. You see this? You see this? Ain't no ebook, though. Listen, this ain't, ain't no ebook. E this ain't no digital download. <laughs> right. This is what I love about Julian. <laughs> Julian's program, the 30 Day Do It program, when I launched my nonprofit back in the day, Julian was one of the uh, individuals who was super supportive of what we did, and he allowed us to use his curriculum in the high schools in Eastern North Carolina in the rural communities. And those teenagers absolutely loved, like we would host parties. There was a point system to see who reached the, the most. I mean, he knows it, but it was such a well-designed curriculum. It almost felt like who is this guy? Like, he just does things at this level. You've been excellent from the time that I met you. Like, I'm just so proud of you, Julian. Thank you, sister. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm proud of you, too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And he's a fellow cancer. So, you know, we just we just good people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We just ain't got a lot of bad with us. 
Shout out to the cancer game. Yes, yeah. So tell everybody who you are. And I know I've kind of given you an introduction, but yeah. it's way more personal. So tell everyone who you are, what you do, and all of those things. Yeah, well, my highest identity is that I'm a child of God first. That's the most important identity that I hold. Now, in addition to that, um, I am a proud father of a beautiful nine-year-old girl. Um, in a professional context, I am here to fix issues and solve problems and create solutions around black finance, black faith, and black families. And so um, most people know me as Mr. Multifamily. I lead the multifamily movement. Uh, over the past four years, over 800 people have closed on their first multifamily home. Yes. Um, we've collectively acquired over $300 million worth of real estate in yes. just four years. And um, that's absolutely uh, mind-blowing. My initial goal was 300 because that's how many people Harriet Tubman had freed uh, during her time by making 19 trips below the Mason-Dixon line over the course of 10 years. And we blew through that number, and now we are focused on getting to uh, 1,000 homes, which will be our next milestone, and 3,000 homes, which would be a billion dollars of real estate acquired. So okay. that's yeah, that's the that's the tree trunk um, there. That's that's first and foremost. But then, in addition to that, um, uh, in addition to that, in regards to finance, um, I'm author of Rich and Righteous: Spiritual Secrets to Mastering Money Manifestation in Your Mind. Uh, it's, it's about financial spirituality and changing our relationship to money so that we have a healthier relationship to it based on spiritual principles. Um, if we are not careful, uh, we can have an inverted and perverted relationship with money yeah. and money can become our master. And many people walk through this uh, lifetime where money is their master and then instead of them mastering money. And it all starts in the mind. But first and foremost, people have to realize that the greatest currency in the world is not outside of them. It's actually inside of them. That's and it. that is the energy that is in your body. And so um, that's the uh, second arm. And then the third arm is the black family. Um, uh, I uh, have been married and uh, was no longer married and divorced, uh, but I am in divine union at this moment in time and so uh, I had to go through a lot of healing work inwardly in order to um, look at my past patterns look at uh, the dark side of myself and also be very clear about what I wanted and so um, I've been blessed to have um, two people that I really care about help me create uh, dating is dope and that is where we train people on getting ready for relationships so yeah. rather than just jumping to a relationship you should actually get ready for a relationship yeah. and and we want that relationship to be rooted in purpose. You know, when you think about uh, what the purpose of a relationship is, not just to give birth to children. Um, you have to ask yourself, what can we give birth to that is even greater than children? Because those children are going to leave at the age of 18. Right. So what is the relationship really for? And so hydrogen and oxygen, they come together and they create something that is useful and valuable and healthy for the world, which is water, right? Mm -hmm. That is their purpose together, right? And then if carbon and oxygen come together, you get carbon monoxide right and that's actually poisonous or toxic mm -hmm. and that's where many people are in their relationship they're in toxic relationships because they're bonded to another element or entity that they're not supposed to be bonded to mm -hmm. and so dating is dope is really about getting clear on who you are and who's actually going to be the best for you and getting clear about what's the purpose not just your own purpose but also what is the purpose of this relationship beyond just birthing kids and safety and security I love the intentionality of it all. And, and I think that that's because you've always been very guided, right? Like, I feel like for as long as I've known you, I shared earlier that one of the first books that Julian recommended to me 20 years ago was mm -hmm. The Perfect Power Within. Yes. One of my favorite books. Yes. Because mm -hmm. it really talked about really understanding, you know, coming more into an Aquarian mindset where you look inward for your spiritual growth and inward for the development of your spiritual power yes. as opposed to seeking externally for things that really don't exist. And I think that in our current society, we seek so much externally yes. that we find ourselves, as you say, attaching, gravitating, and connecting. There's a, a lot of transition 
transactions that are taking place as it relates to finances. But when it comes to true currency and understanding the value of currency and the energy of currency, yes. we know that, you know, as much as there may be an abundance of paper, there may not be the same in terms of value, mm -hmm. right? And the same in terms of positive impact. And that has so much to do with the world within. Correct. And how we're how we're dealing with that. So we're just going to dive right in because you already know we're going deep. Let's go. All right. And I was totally going to get into the shadow work that's needed before dating, too, because mm. I am so excited to talk about yeah. that. But first of all, let's talk about I wanted us to have a conversation today because when I worked full time again, we met Julian back when we were all working our nine to fives, looking at our bosses. It's like we're going to fire you someday. We don't know <laughs> yet. We don't know when yet, but we just know that we on borrowed time. And there was this level of preparation that Julian kind of prepared, like really reminded us of that we needed to consider as it related to our mindset to prepare for entrepreneurship. Now, entrepreneurship today has become this thing where it's kind of like, I don't need a job. I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. But 20 years ago, it was really about creating a valuable experience in, 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 in a way that was both economically and missionally important, right? Like right. you saw entrepreneurs really solving problems, creating impact and creating economic value. They weren't freelancers. They didn't necessarily hoard all of the money for themselves. It was about them being vessels and about it continuing to flow through. Yeah. So the process of flowing through, though, takes like a cognizance of the relationship with money. Yeah. So talk about that. Talk about how you were able to get to this space where you were able to as assess the type of relationship you needed to have with money so that you could continue to grow, produce, and create the type of fruit that people have been able to live off of for 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, the uh, first awareness that I had to come to was that what the greatest currency was within me, right? Yeah. And that is real wealth and my real power. But then secondly, from the physical standpoint, I had to recognize that this money, this physical money is not my money. Mm -hmm. It was energy that was given to me. And so I'm more of a steward of it rather than an owner or controller of it right. and the better steward I become the more God will use me the reason God continues to, to supply me with money is because God knows that the buck does not stop here Good. see when most people get a dollar that it stops flowing they put it in a savings account and it's only yielding 0.03% interest it'll take you 2400 years to double your money at a 0.03 interest standpoint right and so God knows that when I get a dollar when I get more energy, stored energy, right? It's in the money is an inert spiritual substance that we can use to do good in God's work. It knows that it's going to be used. Mm -hmm. I have my emergency fund. That is all that I have saved. And your emergency fund should be anywhere from a six to 12 month savings. I store mine as a maximum cash value whole life insurance policy, mm -hmm. which also comes with a death benefit as well as uh, earns interest. And I can draw from that money. So that's how I store my emergency fund. Above my emergency fund, I'm here to play and to create. Mm -hmm. And the goal of money is not to accumulate it. The goal of money is to circulate it, mm. right? And to circulate means to return to point of origin. So when I look at a dollar, I say, in God I trust and I release it. And when I release it and it does good and it bears fruit, then guess what? It comes back to me and it comes back to me in larger and larger quantities. Yeah. If I hoard it and store it, just like in the parable of the talents where one servant buried the money, then that's how you get money cut off. You get cut off from your source of supply because you were fearful of actually releasing it. Right. You actually made money your God instead of understanding that your job, for instance, is not the source of your income. Your, God, your job is a stream of income. Yeah. Your source is always God. And when you know that and you know that you're a child of God, then you know that abundance is your birthright. And if you stay in alignment with your purpose, uh, your source, your creator, whatever you call it, 
is going to supply you with your needs. Why would my creator, and you know my work started with purpose, why would your creator create you for a purpose and then not give you everything you need to succeed at that? Correct, right. And so I know that if I stay in alignment with my purpose, I used to be a hustler, right? I used to um, hustle in terms of workaholism, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It was about hustle. How hard could I work long mm -hmm. days and hours and things of that nature? That used to be my methodology. But then I switched to just saying, just stay in alignment with your purpose and with what God created you to do and trust that all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added Matthew unto you. Matthew 6.33. Exactly. One of my favorite verses. And so um, once I moved into that paradigm, money started flowing to me with more ease mm -hmm. and in greater and greater quantities. And, and, and um, again, I don't possess any of it. Um, I don't uh, see it as mine. I see it as blessing so that I can be a blessing. Yeah. And that's what I've tried to do in the world. You know, what I love about what you just said is we, many of us as millennials, we were trained by Generation X. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't know anything, they knew hustle. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were the can't stop, won't stop generation. Correct. And what I love about what we've been able to understand through the advancement of technology, through digger deep, uh, digging deeper in our spirituality, mm -hmm. is that it is about alignment. Yeah. Because if you truly recognize that you are a vessel, then you understand that it's about your position. Yeah. Your usefulness is based on your positioning. Mm -hmm. And so, and positioning isn't a physical posture, but it's really a heart posture. Yeah. It's about how willing you are to have your heart available to your source so that your source can make you, you know, use, you could be used and available to whatever the, the physical use is. So how, I mean, let's first, before we even get into these questions, let's talk to the viewers about how you develop this spiritual foundation like as a as a man how did you find yourself in a space where you developed such a sound understanding of your purpose and the way in which you wanted to be wanted to allow yourself to be used in society yeah so um i got a divine download and it was a metaphor about a cup and and you remember this from the first workshop that you came to and it was that uh if you look at a cup a cup can be used for many different things. The purpose of a cup could be to hold liquid, which most people use it for. We can also have it on our desk and it can hold pins. We could trap insects. We could even play catch with a cup. But how do you know the true purpose of the cup? The only way you know the true purpose of the cup is actually to talk to the creator of the cup. Mm. And so for me, that meant actually developing a stronger connection with my creator. And to be honest with you, it meant having a direct connection rather than going through a mediator being religion to get to my creator. If you look at power lines, power lines are most powerful near the power plant. Mm -hmm. Once they travel, once that energy travels all the way to your house, it loses energy. And so you actually want to plug in directly, not have to wait for that energy to come to you through another entity. So when I started going to God directly as, a, as opposed to through an institution, and I believe in fellowship, of whenever course. two or more are gathered, I believe in fellowship, but you also have to have a direct connection. So that direct connection for me um, primarily looks like one, uh, meditating first thing in the morning, 10 to 15 minutes, and clearing my mind so that I can hear God and what God wants me to do for that day. And then uh, two, um, it requires me to go into reading spiritual texts, but the spiritual text not just being the Bible, right. it being many different types of texts that are going to give me spiritual insight to who I am, whose I am, and what I am, so that I can be of the greatest use possible. So um, that is how I maintain my connection and also being in fellowship with people like yourself who uh, who are looking inwardly to understand 
the depths of themselves. You can master all this outward information, but most people don't know thyself. Right. And so these are the questions that we went through as you came to Driving School for Life, and we went through the exploration of your purpose. I That process was mine. And, and what I found is that when I go through a process for myself, the way my mind works is I like to codify it into a methodology or framework. And when I find that it's useful for myself, then I say, let me just sh potentially share, share this with other people and yeah. see if it will bless other people. And that's where Sam came to my living room, November 22nd, 2000 and, uh, 2018. He came to my living room for the first driving school for life. And then I met you through Sam. Uh, I 2018 or 2008? Excuse me, 2008. Yeah. Thank you. No, yeah. excuse me. Yes, 2000, November uh, 22nd, 2008. And, um, and once I realized that that methodology was powerful and useful to other people, that's when I went to share it with others. And that January 9th, 2009, that's when I quit my job and, um, and just moved out on faith. I did have six months of savings mm -hmm. at that mo moment in time. And uh, I still operate like that from a savings standpoint. Um, for me, my cost of living at that time was $3,000 a month. So I had $18,000 in savings. And even today, even in the abundance and the wealth that I do have in my possession, um, I live very simply. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, and you've seen my journey, I know that God can call me and say, okay, you're done here. I need you to go over here. That's it. You are on assignment. And I want to be able to pivot without any question. Not be like, oh God, well, I got these expenses now. I got to handle this over here. Yeah. And then I'll get back to you when I got this straight. No. When God tells me to go a different direction, if God tells me to go a different direction, I want to be able to go on a dime without money ever being a decision-making factor. And yeah. so um, that is how I move. I am here to serve, and uh, and who I'm here to serve is God, and then uh, and serve God's children, yeah. being my brothers and sisters like yourself, Halana, Sam, other people who come through my various programs. Absolutely. So I actually spent eight years as a Buddhist after our um, season of, you know, kind of like going through driving school for life. And because I was very dissatisfied, when you dive deep into self, you become very dissatisfied with, you know, just traditional religious conversations. Right. It's just not deep enough, right? And you find that you there's a lot of surface information, but when you have this internal turmoil that you need to deal with that's yeah. affecting you in life, you really do have to get, you know, more clear about a source. And so that's Buddhism helped me to really not only dive deep, but to develop more Eastern practices yeah. that help me to be more inwardly focused. And with that, I also, and I don't know if it's a cancer thing or just a spirituality thing, but I also like light traveling. Mm -hmm. But even when, you know, I prior to launching WH Farms, I had grown my real estate portfolio. I had relocated to North Carolina. I was buying multifamilies, doing all of these things and getting them. And then the, the spirit was like, no, you're going into the cannabis industry. I'm like, huh? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean we're going into the cannabis industry? He's like, no. And the whole vision came to me in a dream. And I'm like, okay, God, so if you want this to happen, then this is going to be, I want you to direct me. Like, direct yeah. me into where you want me to go. And to see the number of people that we've been able to, to help from a health perspective, mm -hmm. I'm grateful for nimbleness. Yeah. Sometimes we can become too gluttonous with our possessions and with our lifestyles. We, it becomes more about feeding ego as opposed to feeding purpose. Yeah. And we do find ourselves stuck in locations that the expiration date has already expired. And it's like, why are you still there? I'm over here now, but you can't move as freely because you're so bogged down with like stuff. Yeah. So I love that you have developed that as a mindset and you also show it as an example. Mm -hmm. And even 
from a financial wellness perspective, a lot of people say you can control but don't own anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like control everything but don't own anything. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same mindset where you are in a space where you're free to move, but it doesn't mean that you don't have control over the things that continue to bring value and allow you to operate as a vessel. Correct. Yeah. Correct. 100%. I'm totally in alignment with that. And in terms of the spiritual journey, for me as a man, um, uh, it's very hard for black men in today's church. It um, is. And this is why you see a lot of women there only um, and older black men have left because uh, when we uh, ask questions, the minister can't answer the question. Right. And so um, at that point where you start to tell me, lean not on thy own understanding and you just want me to bow down to you, uh, as black men, we don't accept that. No. Um, and so, I have uh, a husband. I know that yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And so for me, after asking, uh, after, um, so for me, it actually started when I was in college. Uh, I was going to, I, I went to church as a child because my friends were at church, right. not because it was just a programming thing, right? And, and then when I got to college, I stopped going because I was in Westwood and I didn't have a car, so I just stopped going at that time. But then, of course, uh, a woman that I was interested in was going to church and she had a car, <laughs> so guess where I was on Sunday? <laughs> I was at church, right? Um, and so, uh, but we ended up separating, but the minister, uh, Noel Jones, um, at City of Refuge was amazing and uh, Jamaican and very intellectual about uh, his... Um, discernment in terms of the Bible and and so I'd leave there taking as many notes as I was taking in class right and that worked for a little bit but then the hunger the spiritual hunger started developing again and I was like okay I need some more because just coming to this service is not enough so then I was going to a Bible study that some of my friends were going to on a Monday at Maranatha and then um that was cool for a little bit. We actually read Purpose Driven Life there. Yeah. That was powerful. Um, and as you know, I have my own methodology uh, on top of that. But um, the hunger came back again. I was like, okay, I'll just go to another church service on Sunday. So now I'm going to two church services on Sunday and Bible study on Monday, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to City of Refuge in the morning. Then I'm going to Maranatha's service on Sunday. Then I'm going to Maranatha's Bible study. That was cool for a minute. And then the hunger came back. <laughs> it's the, it's like, the cancer. You're oh, insatiable. Yeah, exactly. And so now I'm like, okay, I'll just go to another church service. So now I'm going to Maranatha, City of Refuge, Maranatha, and West Angeles uh, at night on Sunday. Then Bible study on Monday at Maranatha. That was cool for a little bit. And then the hunger came. So it's like no more services. No more services. And so uh, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this text cover to cover for myself. And um, that is the most powerful thing that I think anybody who identifies as Christian can do. Most Absolutely. Christians have never read the Bible. The book that they base their entire belief system off, they've never even read it. Yeah. And they've spent their whole life cherry picking scriptures that their minister tells them when you can go read directly. You've probably read just as many emails. Mm -hmm. Oh, the book is too thick. I don't have time for that. You've read as many Instagram posts. You've read as many emails. Right. You've read other books. What do you mean you can't read the book that you based your entire life on? Mm -hmm. So I challenge people to do that. And when you do do that, and this is probably wise because you're actually going to see things that don't get preached on Sunday. Right. Right. And when you start to see those things that don't get preached on Sunday and when you start to be able to decipher perhaps Jesus's ministry for yourself and not based on what's being taught from the pulpit, you realize that the physical institution of church or religion is not in alignment with what the book actually says. says. church is. And so that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in. Mm. And so one Sunday I woke up um, and after reading the text, after going to three services consistently and Bible study and reading the text from cover to cover, one Sunday I woke up and I just stopped going. Yeah. Because 
I learned that my body is the temple. And where is your temple? They're right here. Yep. So the true church is within me. God dwells in temples that are not made with the hands of man. Yeah. Where is that? It has to be the body. Yeah. So I only need to go to a physical place to fellowship, but I can access God directly whenever I desire. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talked about black men and how the church is in a space where they oftentimes feel comfortable and welcome. And we talked a bit about dating, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, I want to dive into that a bit, mm -hmm. because I think that for a lot of, in a lot of relationships, the con conversation around church can be a deal breaker. Mm. So much so that, you know, and when you really dig into, get to know yourself and get to know and prepare for dating so that you can date in a healthy way, even having a sound understanding of why church is so important, because I've seen, again, previous generations you will find that so many women will beat church across their husband's or boyfriend's head like, you got to go to church, and yeah. if you don't go to church, they're vilified, and they're put down, and they're shamed, and they're guilted, but that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Not at all. Right? And so what do you recommend as a community, you know, as we kind of grow into leaning more into spirituality, as we, because we as millennials, I think, have seen so much more financial advancement than previous generations. Mm -hmm. We've been able to get out into entrepreneurship, make things shake, make money happen. But the value and the context and what we actually possess, we don't actually cherish it or value it in the same way because I don't think that we really have taken, like Jay-Z says, there's a lot of information out here, but not a lot of context, right? And so what do you think is a good, uh, how, what, what do you recommend for, for women who are saying like, I want my husband or I want my man to be in church with me or I want this, I want this type of relationship. What would you recommend to them so that they can able, they're able to really hear it from a man's perspective and understand that if he's not in church on Sunday, that doesn't mean he's not righteous. That doesn't mean that he's not upstanding. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he needs that type of leadership, right? Like, what are some of the common causes of that sort of mindset and what recommendations do you have? Yeah, so first and foremost, um, a lot of people are talking about a high a high value man, right? Oh, gosh. And, and the materials that come with that and being a provider or whatnot. You're not looking for a high value man. You're looking for a high values man. Yeah. You're looking at his values, but values are internal and you yeah. have to see that through action behavior. And so that is actually more valuable than a high value man. There's Thanks. many men out here who have money, but not too many people in general, men or women, who are, may have your standard of values. Correct. And that's actually what you're looking for. We also have to know that I have two little brothers, right? And uh, we have a father. We share a father. Mm -hmm. And we all have unique relationships with our father. There's no one common way that we connect with our father. Mm. One person may go to his office and talk to him and that's how they connect. One person may go to the hardware store with him. One person may play sports with him and that's how they connect. And so just because your partner doesn't connect with God in the way that you do doesn't mean that they aren't connected to God. That's it. And so that's really uh, that's really the key. So I do believe that you can have that dynamic and just uh, but it's not just, but you have to see him, or if we're switching the equation around, you have to see her mm -hmm. connecting with God in some way, mm -hmm. even if it's different than yours and honoring that. 
I love it. I love it. So I want to jump into the conversation today because so many, as you know, we've launched not only the farm, but we help businesses launch or expand their CBD product line. Mm-hmm. We wanted to create a space where we were able to allow entrepreneurs to enter into the cannabis industry without having to spend millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. We want to destigmatize the process and give us an opportunity to not be late in this industry as it unfolds, but actually to pioneer this space. But so many entrepreneurs are uncomfortable or unable to manage the risk that comes along with cannabis Mm -hmm. and cannabis business ownership because of their mindset, Yeah. right? And so I want to dive into mindset. Tell me how crucial cultivating a growth-minded, you know, a positive mindset is as it relates to entrepreneurship. Yeah, well, the subconscious mind is a soil from which everything grows. And if you have rich seeds, which are rich ideas, because everybody's had a million-dollar idea, But if that million dollar idea, that rich seed did not get planted in rich soil, then it bears no fruit. This is why you haven't seen your million dollar idea unfold. And so the subconscious mind is the rich soil that you must cultivate and you have to be a guard inner. You have to guard your inner. Mm -hmm. And this is how you cultivate ideas so that they come to fruition over time. Uh, Without mindset, you can't get anywhere because as a man thinketh, so is he. So that is all about being within. Uh, We also know that um, a man is renewed by the renewing of his mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we know that it all starts there and your life is really just an outpicturing of what you believe to be true about yourself and what's possible in your own life. There has to be a direct correlation between above and below, right? As above, so below. And so if above is not up in heaven in the sky or something like that that's not even where heaven is it's right here in your mind and so what you're experiencing in your life is what you truly believe is possible in your mind for your actual life see a lot of people try to make change from uh the outside right right? and so if we're in a movie theater and um we're looking at a screen and the movie is bad we can boo at the movie screen we can even slash the movie screen but that still won't stop the bad movie from playing right the only way to stop the movie from playing or to change the movie is to go up into the projector room and actually change the film yeah so where is that film that film is here yeah see the projector of your life is actually in here a lot of people think these eyes see out right and that they're taking information in the reality is that it's your inner mind that's actually projecting outwardly it's the opposite it's the reverse and so we have to cultivate it here and it's really mindset that has stopped millions from making millions absolutely i think that one of the things that i've shared um throughout this episode or or throughout these episodes is the effects of trauma Mm -hmm. and how you know sometimes within our culture we just deal with so much trauma that Mm -hmm. we just continue to kind of like repress and put down and we think that we can get this job or get this career get this outer existence that's going to erase what's happening internally but until we really as you mean as you said till our soil the soil of our mind and really make sure that we're able to receive the ideas and fully cultivate them then we're not able to really grow and expand into who god has called us to be with any business idea right Right. and i find that and what most people don't i always say this money is a currency it's an energy and so when you have this fear and this doubt and this lack of awareness of this scarcity mindset then you end up pushing it away as opposed to allowing yourself to be this magnetic force that can attract it and that can continue to recycle it, right? And so I think that that's so important. I want to talk about, you know, we talk, this book, it's it it guys if you you dive into it, just please understand that it's going to take you some time. But it's something that you should digest 
overtime because it's something that will provide you with such depth and context of knowledge that it's nothing to rush through. But tell us about this book and what made you write it. I'm gonna let you hold it. Yeah. And 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 what you wanted, you know, your readers to really understand as yeah. you wrote it. Yeah. Um. So it came to me as a divine download uh, at the beginning of COVID. I knew that the world would slip into a mindset of scarcity. Yeah. And um. And I know that I had navigated that. Like we said, I quit my job January 9th, 2009. That was the bottom of the last recession. Right. Yet I thrived. Yeah, I wasn't surviving that time that you met me. I was thriving. Right? I mean, like literally. So I was like, okay, I've been here before in a quote unquote recession. I, technically, I don't use that language. I don't believe in recession. Right. That's not part of my vocabulary. Therefore, therefore, it's not part of my experience. Right. Right. But I knew I had survived what other people were identifying calling a recession right. before. And so I was in perfect position to say, how can I share what helped me navigate that particular time of perceived scarcity? Right. And still be abundant. And so um, literally I was being woken up at 3 a.m. every single morning and going to a, a Google document and um, God was moving through my fingers. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, this book was twice as thick and it went through the editing process, it took about six months to get it out and give birth to it. And um, the most important things I wanted people to understand, one, is that you are a child of God and that two, abundance is your birthright mm -hmm. and that we have to solve money from a different level. Einstein said you can't solve a problem from the same level of thinking that created it. Mm -hmm. So many people try to solve their money problems from the physical standpoint or the tangible physical money or as gold. That's mm -hmm. how they perceive it. And so when you see money as only physical, then you think you need to do physical things to get it. Mm -hmm. We have to go above that in order to solve it. You have to be able to solve your problems from above in order to change below. So if you look at money from an emotional standpoint, do you hate rich people? If you hate rich people, then guess what? You're actually repelling money. money That's it. Right? Because what happens when you become rich? Right. So subconsciously, you want to be known as good. But if you think rich people are bad, then you actually don't want to be rich. So with your mouth, you're saying you want to be rich. Yeah. But uh, but you believe that rich is bad at the same time, so those are incongruent thoughts and they're canceling each other out. Then from a mental standpoint, like you said, is money scarce to you or is it abundant? Mm -hmm. When you're able to perceive that money is actually everywhere. If we look around this room, there's money in that stand, in that camera, in your outfit, in this table, mm -hmm. in this paint. There is money everywhere around you, but if you see money as a scarce resource, then you don't see all the financial opportunities that are available to you. And then finally, from a spiritual level, understanding that you are money, mm -hmm. right? That the greatest currency in life, the most valuable currency in life is actually running through you yeah. and it is not in the physical form. The physical form is just a manifestation of what you believe about yourself. And yeah. so we have to solve our money problems not on the level of money. It's not just about saving and budgeting. You're yeah. still trying to solve them on the level of money. You have to elevate to the emotional, mental, and spiritual 100%. understanding of money in order to master the physical existence of money. And that's, I think, what contributes to the thought process that aligning is required and not hustling. Because once the alignment is in place, yes. then you are solving money problems from a spiritual perspective because you're, again, making sure that you're attuned to where the currency is able to flow instead of out of position. Yes. And I think that today, you know, again, we are very much so pre-social media, right? Mm -hmm. And so today we see this overwhelming uh, traction of lifestyle marketing and, you know, all of this attracting of financial success through the exposure of things and it's a dangerous space. Very much so. It's a dangerous space because it would, first of all, you know, we, there's a level of stewardship that all of us have when we have influence. 
And that level of stewardship is to be mindful that there are people watching yeah. and that the, 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 the plan and path that we lay out, if they can't duplicate it and become better versions of themselves, then is it really worth laying it out or presenting it that way? Right. Yeah. So talk about how you take this mindset and apply it to today, like today's time. I mean, we're not going to get into what you got into last night, yeah. but I do want to get into the overarching conversation of lifestyle marketing and faking it until you make it and lacking integrity, you know, all of these things that really are a matter of congruency because yeah. a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And yeah. so if you have this instability between your words and your actions, then yeah. when it comes to the currency, yeah. the currency's confused. Like it doesn't know what to do. So it just does nothing. It 100%. doesn't do anything. Mm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. We're in an interesting age. And <laughs> last night, uh, last night was a time, but it needed to be done. Um, and, uh, when I look at lifestyle marketing, um, there's a, it's a catch 22 because you may be able to hook people into something that they may not have been willing to do without the flash. Yeah. But if you do do that on your back end, you have to be able to deliver That's because it. what most people are doing right now is that they are sharing the fruit that they've received. Right. As opposed to the fruit that they've been able to help other people bear. Right. So that's lifestyle marketing is look at my fruit basket instead of look at all the fruit that I've been able to create in the lives of others. As you mentioned in my introduction, there are many people who say Julian not only has given me fruit or taught me how to create my own fruit, but I also have the seeds that are allowing me to multiply even more and more and more. Yeah. And so when you are choosing between online educators, especially financial educators, you want to look at not their lifestyle right. and say, I want that lifestyle. Instead, look at how many lives they've changed. Yeah. So when you talk about all the people that you're helping in the cannabis space, and I know that you could get testimonials, you could call them up right now and say, what have, what have I done for you in your life? And they would just speak good. Yeah. Then that is the metric that we use to evaluate who we're going to learn from. Right. Because, and you probably do have to learn from somebody. YouTube University does not work when it comes to money. And, and here's why I say that. It is hard enough to master one asset class. Yeah. Real estate, you've mastered that. Now you're switching into, or you have switched, excuse me, into cannabis. Yeah. That's a whole nother beast when you're really trying to seek mastery. So if you're trying to just learn on YouTube University, um, you won't ever achieve mastery. You'll be ankle deep. Yeah. and a whole bunch of things and never be fully immersed in something. Facts. And so you want to identify the one or two asset classes that you are going to master. Facts. And then any other asset class that you want to diversify into, you need to have a relationship with somebody who is as master. good of a master in that space as you are in your space. Yeah. And so that's how that's how I, I think about it. Um, that's how I think about it. And uh, yeah, we're in um, we're in a very weird time where it's hard to distinguish the wheat from the weeds. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. they all look the same on the outside. And so you have to, the only way to make the distinction is the fruit that yes. this individual has bore in the life of other people. And one of the things that I tell people all the time, because again, very much so pre-social media, right? When we started this personal development journey, I mean, we had to go and pull out tapes and cassette tapes. And, you know, this whole personal development conversation was not very popular. Everybody wasn't running around in the early 2000s talking about manifestation. You either had this inkling to want to learn more and dig deeper yeah. or you just didn't. And one of the things that I used to learn from like the John Maxwell's and the Bob Proctor's is that you're as a leader, your fruit will prove who you are. Facts. Whatever you produce it will show itself. It's almost like parenting. Yeah. You can't 
mistake what you produce in your child because it comes from something like it has to start at, the, at an original source and so even with real estate developing when I started with the REI mentor which many people know me from I didn't have an interest in monetizing real estate investing as an education I just really had a passion project while yeah. I was going through my own trauma healing and the passion project was so awesome because that was my barometer to determine my healing yeah deals Seeing my students produce deals, seeing my students make five-figure checks, six-figure checks yeah. on flips, that was me saying, okay, the vessel works, you know, because I had to, I went through a, a period of my life, which I've shared before, that I dealt with my own inner child trauma. Yeah. But the way that I was able to overcome it was to focus on what the vessel could do. And I knew that the vessel could pro provide motivation, insight, information, and access to opportunities that will create more. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to see your fruit, that's when you can say, oh, I can pat myself on the back now. Mm -hmm. I see my fruit. But now we're in a season where people can fake their fruit. Yeah, People can literally like pretend and place a camera in front of their face. And yeah. then it becomes a situation where it's like, and then it's the next thing, and then it's the next thing, and it becomes a pattern. And I think that's how you determine whether or not you're dealing with something that's solid versus something that's shallow. Yeah, Because they're it does follow a pattern you know yes. we watch it follow a pattern and the pattern is one that is meant to almost mislead or play on the ignorance of as opposed to truly empower yeah and i think that that's something that if you are ever out if you guys are listening to this and you're looking for mentors and leaders to follow find people who want to empower your independence not to enable your dependence yeah. those who enable your dependence are looking for jobs and you are essentially their employer in some capacity. Mm -hmm. But those who are identifying with enabling your independence, they understand that their source is from here and they're only meant to operate out, right? They're not worried about you giving it back because it's coming from here. Yeah. And it's just a very, it's a very different conversation. So I absolutely love that. Yeah, and in terms of uh, overcoming trauma, one of the most powerful things you can do to overcome trauma besides stillness is actually to take the mirror off of yourself and say me, me, me and all the things that I'm going to and actually go serve. That's it. That's it. Not only is service a powerful way to actually heal trauma, service is actually the secret to success. That's See, this, in the movie The Secret, they didn't. vision boards are not the secret to manifestation. Yeah. The secret to manifestation is actually to serve others. Yeah. And when you serve others at a high level, you will find that money comes to you, which then allows you to have everything that was on your vision board. Yeah. If you help enough people achieve and get what they want on their vision board, you're going to have everything that you want on your vision board. It's, it's law. It's law. Yeah. It's universal law. But many people have it back they get their vision board and they only focus on the things on their vision board but the way to get to their the fastest is actually to serve others service is the secret to success and it's the secret to healing as well yeah no I wholeheartedly agree with that so let's talk about high-risk industries real estate cannabis both very volatile both high risk mm -hmm. what would you recommend to entrepreneurs entering into that space as it relates to like preparedness yeah Oh, man. Um, so I, I want to be very clear about um, entrepreneurship, first yeah. and foremost, is that many people who are new to entrepreneurship perceive entrepreneurship as risky. The greatest risk is not doing what you were called to do. Right. And if you are experiencing pain and doubt and uh, frustration and stress in your life, it's likely because you are out of alignment. When a will is out of alignment, right, it is, it is actually experiencing stress and it is wear, getting wear and tear on it uh, a lot faster than a will that it, it is in alignment. And then the goal of an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, yeah. I want to be very clear about this. Talk the goal of a shit, true entrepreneur Julian. is to actually squeeze the risk out of a business. 
So you may initially step into something that is risky, but if you are a great entrepreneur, you actually take the risk out of that business through your systems, through your solutions, through your team, your processes, you take the risk out of business. So you went from acquiring a piece of real estate that was unstabilized, only had 50% occupancy, low rents, et cetera. You go in, you do rehab, you rebrand the space, you actually are able to raise rents, you're able to bring in a new type of tenant to that space, you've taken the risk out of that business. Right. That is what great entrepreneurs do. Right. So yes, entrepreneurship initially is risky. Right. It's not forever risky if yeah. you're a really great entrepreneur. You want to get to a point where you take the risk out of the business. So you have to uh, you have to do your SWOT analysis. You have to know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what your opportunities are, and you also have to know what your threats are. And the threats are the things that if this thing happens, for instance, in real estate, if the interest rates go to 9%, then this could get really sticky, right? So you have to know what your threats are and you have to uh, you have to start protecting yourself from those things. And in uh, in the cannabis industry, since I don't know much about it, I don't know the threats obviously actually are legal. Right. Uh, regulations. Uh, yeah, regulations. Uh, a mayor or um, or any body in power could sign something and all of a sudden it's not you can't do that here anymore. Airbnb for real estate. Exactly. You can't do that here anymore. So you have to know what your threats are and be able to hedge against that. So if I had an Airbnb, for example, I have to know that Okay, if Airbnb were to go away, because I know that one person could wake up, a politician could wake up and say this is not happening anymore, right, after a vote, um, what's my next business model to convert? I would immediately liquidate this furniture or I would keep this furniture and I'm actually going to switch to traveling nurses or I'm going to switch this to a student housing model or something like that. You have to know what your play is if you are in vulnerable situations where something can change within a day yeah. or within a few months that actually shakes up your business model. But again, the goal of a great entrepreneur is to take the risk out of a business. Not Entrepreneurship isn't just in general risky. Yeah. There's initial risk, but then you take it out. So this is my last question because, I mean, this conversation has been so rich. I feel like we need a part two and a part three. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that. How important is environment? Now, we've talked about the internal environment, the internal growth, right? But how important is it for new entrepreneurs, perhaps listening to this podcast, to choose environments that are healthy for them so that they can be the effective entrepreneurs to de-risk situations, to be able to be agile and move, to be leaders in their space? How important is choosing their environment? Sometimes I feel that people decide to take on more without recognizing that you can't pour old wine and new wineskins. Correct. Right? So tell, talk about environment. Yeah, so I want to talk about the various elements of environment. The first environment, which of course is your inner environment, so managing your mind. But then after that, as we move from inward outward, the next environment is actually your home. Yeah. And you actually want to curate your home in a way that actually inspires you, especially if you're working from home and you spend most of your time there, that environment should inspire you and it also should uh, be a de-stressing place where you feel comfortable and can relax. So um, some people can't have the house that they desire, their dream home at this moment in time, right? So there's simple things that you can do. You can actually go get a high-end pillow, yeah. right? If you love the pillows at the hotel, don't go buy a, a, a pillow from Target for your home because your mattress is where you're going to spend one third of your life. Right. So make sure you invest into a mattress so that the sleep that you have is great, mm -hmm. that the pillow that you have is great. Then there's simple things you can do in terms of your bathroom, like your shower head. You don't have to have the old shower head that came standard. You can go spend less than $100 and get a, an amazing shower head that just changes that experience for mm -hmm. you, right? So, um, 
adding color, adding art. So that is the next environment. You want that space to feel sacred for you um, and feel like a womb where you can develop and create from. Mm -hmm. um, then, of course, when we talk about, about environment, we typically talk about the people that we hang around. And, and, um, and a lot of people have this notion of, oh, uh, only hang around, if you're the smartest in the room, then you got the wrong people. Then that suggests that I need to cut off these four people. Right. No, you can keep the friends that you have, but you need to be able to tap in to mentors, but not a mentor in the traditional sense that, oh, I'm meeting with this person every week or something like that. No, you need to have a personal board of directors right. that you can call on for specific things. When I'm having issues in my relationship, I call this person. When I'm having health issues, I call this person. When I'm having financial challenges or questions, I call this person. So they don't have to be your mentors, but you have to create a personal board of directors who can help you in the challenging areas around your life and you really only need one or two brothers or sisters to be really rock with you and really hold you accountable perhaps a workout partner perhaps a goal setting accountability partner perhaps another entrepreneur that you can call and you do a 15 minute check and call at the beginning of the day you only need one or two people it's not about the size of your circle right, right? it's about these people being in alignment with you and 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 wanting what you want for yourself, right. having no personal agendas except for what you want for yourself. And that's so important. And so for me, that that is the composition of environment. It's your inner environment, you managing your emotions and your mind. Uh, I primarily do that through meditation. Then your outer environment, starting with your home, even starting with your bedroom, we can start there first, then go into your home, and then uh, those that you hang around. I love it. I love it. I didn't ask much about cannabis, but let me just drop this in there. How does cannabis uh, play a part in your lifestyle or your regimen? Do you consume? or No, you... I don't. Okay. No, I don't. Um, like I said earlier, uh, I always want direct access to source mm -hmm. and to God um, without the use of any external thing. And so I don't participate. Um, but I do believe, uh, I do uh, am aware that God's first gift to man before life was land. Yeah. And cannabis comes from the land. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical industry has demonized it. Why? Because for somehow we as African-Americans in this country got access and hip to it before anyone else. Yeah. And it could have been really, really profitable for us if it wasn't uh, treated legally in the way that it's been treated by so many states and by the country at large yeah. up until the recent years. And so um, we were robbed of an opportunity while they then penalized us for these other drugs that were being implanted in our community. We had one that naturally came from the earth yeah. and they wouldn't let us monetize. And so um, that disappoints me in, in many ways. Um, and uh, if it is helpful for people, I am aware because I've had family members who dealt with addiction, I am aware that you can get addicted mm -hmm. to it. And at that point, it is not being as useful and mm -hmm. it is being harmful. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but that is any substance, mm -hmm. right? That's not just cannabis. And Could so, sugar. Yeah, yeah, so exactly, sugar, um, sugar, alcohol, et cetera. So uh, I believe that anything that God created is created for a purpose. And as long as we're using it for that purpose, um, then uh, for me, it's all good. That's awesome. Thank you so much, You're brother. You're welcome. <laughs> I am so excited about today's conversation, guys. I know that you got great gems great gems from all of the uh, just valuable insight that Julian provided. If you like this video, if you like this podcast, make sure you like um, the video, you share it with your family and friends, comment, and certainly check out the additional episodes and 
Thank you for joining the Canacoin podcast with Q Nicole. We are so excited to have you. You can find me on Q Nicole McNair on IG. And Julian, where can they find you? Yeah, so if you're interested in real estate, you can go to rentfree.com and I'll teach you how to finance, find, and finalize your first multifamily real estate deal. And if you are want to learn more about Rich and Righteous, you can be part of my free 100-day money mindset reprogram at richrightnow.com. That's richrightnow.com. Thank you so much. Yep. All right, guys. Q, I'm going to have you do the outro one more time. Okay, cool. cool. I, I messed up, though. I can do it again real quick, yeah. All right, you ready? All right. So thank you for tuning in to the Canacoin podcast with Q Nicole. I hope that you enjoy all of the great information that was provided. Julian just dropped so many gems. So if you found something that you heard, something that you like, make sure that you comment, you like the video, you share it with your family and friends. If you're an entrepreneur, tap in to the resources that he provides. Talk about your resources and how people can find you. Yeah, so I'm primarily on Instagram and that's J-U-L-L-I-E-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. So you can find me there. If you want to learn about multifamily real estate, you can go to rentfree.com. That's rentfree.com. I'll teach you how to finance, uh, find, and finalize your first multifamily real estate deal. And if you want to be part of my free 100-day money mindset reprogram, you can go to richrightnow.com. That's richrightnow.com. Perfect. Thank you for joining.